This is Ethical Quandaries. I'm Jessica Veldstra. And I'm Denise Thompson. And today we are back from our vacation to New Zealand and Hawaii. It was lovely. It was beautiful and we loved it. And we go on a vacation like that about every year. So today we're going to be talking about ethical travel. Look at that. (laughs) It's topical. (laughs) (laughs) So... In the last, I don't know, five years we've been taking a trip, and we've just started taking trips internationally. I traveled internationally as a kid. You did, too. Yes. Yeah. My first international trip, I think I was nine. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I think I was, well, besides Canada. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah, You can't count Canada. Canada, like, one? I was one year old when we went down the Alcan. with Alaska, you go down the Alcan constantly when you're a kid. Um, because parents like to torture themselves, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so much cheaper to drive yeah, all your kids down is. the down the Alcan than it is to fly them down to the states. But also, when we were kids, you could go to Canada, and all you had to have was your Alaskan ID. And right. in actuality, it was just your driver's license, and my mm-hmm. parents didn't have to prove that I was theirs. Right. right. And it, all you had to do was prove that you were an Alaskan resident, and you went in and out as easy as pie. You didn't stop. I don't know how what that means, as easy as pie. I just <laughs> said that, but, you know, pie is easy, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> went through Canada with no documentation, and then mm-hmm. back through Canada and didn't and didn't um, end until two thousand one. Anyways, I can tell that we're gonna stay on topic today. <laughs> Super fun. <laughs> Super fun. Since I learned the topic right before we walked in the room, <laughs> that is not even remotely true. <laughs> we well, talked about it, <laughs> and <then> you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, some issues come up when traveling, um, especially overseas. Not. Not as much domestically, but there are some still things that um, are issues with domestic travel. One of them is buying local where you're at, which we always like to do. When you're buying souvenirs, try not to buy the cheap ones made from China. Well, (laughs) there's no point. No. And I always think that's interesting Mm -hmm. because I sell souvenirs from Alaska, Mm -hmm. and people will ask if they're made in Alaska. Well... That's what you want, right? You right. go to Alaska, you want something made in Alaska. You don't want something made in China that says Alaska. And What's it's, the point? It's so funny because I worked in a souvenir shop throughout high school, and all of the souvenirs I oh see my. are, most of them were made in China. We knew which ones were not. And, like, you see the same souvenirs, like, in every state you travel, and even overseas, <laughs> like, exactly, like, they just take off the, take off one name and put on a different name on there. And so, Wyoming yeah, and yeah. Alaska all have the same, like, little wolf yeah. <laughs> ornament. So, the first thing is to shop local, try to get the local foods, support the local produce farmers restaurants all of that mm, what about chain restaurants what if you like to travel and you really like to go out to chain restaurants <laughs> why would you do that <laughs> you can get the chain restaurants anywhere you go and i get like if you have to like 
are in the airport or you know don't have a lot of options or you're just running you know you know from one city to the another and you just don't know where else to go but try to enjoy the local feel of wherever you're going I mean that's why you're traveling what if you really want some panda garden (laughs) when you're in Hawaii or some Kentucky fried chicken Uh uh-huh what if you're really craving if you're craving it that's your choice you do you man you do you but maybe no in all about think about trying new local options in all reality i'm just basically being the devil's advocate because i i have a problem with that going anywhere and having not being able to eat the local food that was Mm. part of my childhood Mm. part of what my parents taught me with travel Mm -hmm. and so when i go somewhere like i want to stand in line for that funky food truck and i want to go where the locals go yeah i want to stand in line with locals where you're a little bit scared that you're not ordering (laughs) you're not ordering right but that you're hoping that someone takes pity on you and helps you through the we had that experience a couple times now one in hawaii actually we went to a local shop and it was terrifying it was like the soup nazi kitchen from i almost felt like they were (laughs) gonna say no soup for you (laughs) no spam for you (laughs) but yeah you had to be on top of it and order quick and some poor some guys kind of motioned to us and was like okay i hope you are (laughs) he did he saw my wide eyes and my scared look and he took took me under his wing so the first thing you can do both domestically and internationally is shop local shop eat what the local eat buy locally produced souvenirs and products and then some of the other things is uh, when we travel internationally one of the questions I saw on the interweb was what about haggling is haggling ethical if it's I mean my opinion would be is if if it's their culture Uh then it is ethical because yeah if Mm -hmm. you (laughs) don't haggle then they get offended sometimes or they just think you're an idiot (laughs) but I mean we could leave it. I mean, I'm gonna tell the best haggling story I've ever, <laughs> I've ever witnessed. Okay, go for it. I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. that your brother, mm-hmm. Joshua Veldstra, <laughs> of Joshua Veldstra Photography. Yeah, he's famous, very famous. Told us all about haggling and how he was he was quite good at it, and he was going to give us tips. And I had haggled before. Because the trips that I took as a child started out in Central America. That's part of haggling when you go to the market there. So I had done it from as, as a small child, but I wanted to see Joshua's technique. So there was a big buildup, and we went to our first market stand, and Joshua saw a tank top that he wanted, and he pointed to it, and they must have seen a sucker coming when, they, <laughs> when he walked up, because he, he was, he said he's just gonna, he's gonna talk him down. He was gonna, gonna talk, talk him down, him he was gonna down. start way down, and they sent out their, probably at the <laughs> oldest, was their 11-year-old daughter to come and get the tank top down for him, using, <laughs> it was like hanging from the ceiling, and she got it down, and he looked at her and he said, how much? And she said, 50. And he said, okay. okay. Well, also, that was so low compared to where we had been. So I think it took him out guard. But also, he wasn't going to haggle with a girl. Oh, no, no. Girl. She had her, like, little eyes. She was so cute. And he walked away and he was like, nope. <laughs> Not going to haggle with that little girl. Nope. So I think that they purposefully sent her to help us. Right. Yeah, I would say... For sure. If it's part of the culture, 100% do it. Make sure you're in a good mood, a good joking mood. In Bali, that was great because everybody wanted to joke and talk with you. And it's a good way to learn stuff about 
the area, the culture, what's happening, because you get to talking with people that way, too. But, well, but and basically, if they don't want to haggle, they'll, they'll tell, tell you. you. Yeah. Yeah, there's some some shops even in Bali where haggling is really common that uh, there's some shops that just have fixed prices and they'll be like, nope, we don't haggle. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Do I think it's unethical to go into a grocery store and yell about the prices of cigarettes? Yes. Something else I witnessed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do think that that's, I mean, unethical. If not, una- just if rude. not unethical, then just incredibly yeah. rude. Yeah. Just yeah. like the rudest you can be to right. the local people. Because first of all, they, it's a grocery store. There, Yeah, there's no haggling in the grocery store. No. Um, and to complain about paying a buck fifty for your pack of cigarettes right. is ridiculous. Yeah. And luckily that wasn't someone we were traveling with. No. It was just mm-hmm. someone we we yeah. noticed so yeah expect to pay a fair price for stuff don't go to the like lowest of the low of the low and try to you know cheat people but also just keep keep a good sense of humor and banter and that's that's the fun of haggling and you don't want to be mean or and and also don't ask about an item unless you're truly interested in it you don't have to buy it but don't ask like about all the things unless you're actually interested in buying because if you ask that that's kind of a signal to them that we're going to start pricing yeah um so so that's a thing with haggling cultures so also what about photography taking pictures of people yeah well obviously without their permission scenery is not cool uh, is obviously cool we can always take pictures of, of scenery yeah people is a question also animals we see this in alaska a lot well, photography, I mean, I feel like I grew up in a small town in Alaska. Mm-hmm. It has a funny name. We got lots of uh, Japanese tourists. Mm-hmm. And I remember riding my bike down the street. The first time I remember probably being, I was be- actually being videotaped mm-hmm. as I was riding my bike down the street. And people were hanging out of their cars videotaping oh me. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm a, <laughs> I was a little girl in North Pole, Alaska, riding my bike down the street. So... I mean, I guess there was some oddity in that Mm -hmm. to them. They felt that it needed to be recorded. (laughs) And I just remember thinking it was funny or weird. And now as an adult, I think it's odd and I don't like it. Like, I wouldn't want my daughter to be... the internet. I mean... Oh, no, it was totally different. I mean, it was one of those handheld up on your shoulder to support it. The persons who are going to see this is, like, limited to 20 at the most. Oh, yeah, and it's all in Japan. (laughs) So, not a problem. And I remember thinking it was funny. But, I mean... As far as taking pictures of people, mm-hmm. I always think it's good to ask. Right. Mm-hmm. Usually you can, they can figure that out. You don't even need to speak the language. Right. You just point at them. Mm-hmm. You point at your camera, ask. Um, and most of the time people will let you know how they feel about mm-hmm. it. Taking pictures of animals, on the other hand, I don't know if I have a specific opinion <laughs> on that. Well, animals, like, if you're... If they're far away or, you know, wild animals or, like, livestock animals. So the only issue with animals that I see, and we see this in Alaska all the time, is people stopping on the side of the road and causing a dangerous situation because of that. Mm. That would be an Yes, they do. You can stop on the side of the road if you're well visible and, you know, have your... Um, hazards on and you know you can pull off but tips if, if you ever want to travel to Alaska <laughs> this is a big thing if you're not if you're not visible on around a corner and stopping in the middle of the road that's super dangerous don't do it the other thing that's super dangerous is getting out of your car and approaching a moose don't do it <laughs> people approach bears too yeah don't do it do not corner wild animals you can you know if they're far off in the distance and you can use your zoom 
take as many pictures as you want, but don't corner any wild animals, no matter if they're dangerous to you or not. Um, that's the main thing. I also have a problem with people like, and this is maybe just me. I don't think this necessarily falls under unethical, mm-hmm. but I have a problem with people taunting animals, oh, like yelling things. That is things. unethical. No, you're like d- yelling harassing things animals is unethical. <laughs> But even at the zoo, I have Ugh, a, yeah, I get, no. I am infuriated at people yeah. that, that try to, like, do kissy noises at the gorilla mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like, I can't handle it. It drives me insane. And I feel like that in public, too. Like, yeah. people are trying to get the attention of a wild animal, and they're just, like, making loud noises. Right. And Let the animal do its thing, and if you want to take, if you can take pictures of the animal doing its thing without bothering the animal and not putting yourself in danger, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I... As far as taking pictures of animals, I think, yeah, just mostly your safety, Mm -hmm. thinking about other people's safety, yeah, but I think you can take pictures of someone's, you know, dog in their back of their car, maybe not that. (laughs) No, it happened to a friend of mine, he had a really ugly dog. Oh, no. So cute, but really ugly, and he came out of the store, and there were tourists taking pictures of it in the back of his pickup truck. And he was so angry. <laughs> like, I think it's a funny story, but he was very upset that they took pictures I of his sweet dog. see that's a little upsetting, maybe. Well, but... they, they were laughing and pointing <laughs> oh. and taking pictures. <laughs> this poor dog. Oh, no. She thought it was great, though. She didn't, she didn't realize. Then <laughs> uh. there's also, like, clothing. So one thing that I noticed that I didn't even... Like, I didn't even think about the fact that I always do this, but, like, there was big things on the internet about, like, make sure you wear respectful clothing. I always look, wherever I'm going, what the clothing expectations are. So, like... Oh, what people around you are wearing, yeah. What people around you are wearing and what, like, like is considered... Because what's considered modest and immodest changes from culture to culture, so, like... In the Philippines, not even culture to culture, like place it changes to place. from the beach, yeah. Oh, yeah, to the countryside, right? So, like in Bali, for instance, we looked it up. It's totally, perfectly okay to wear a swimsuit bikini on the beach. As soon as you are off the beach, you're expected to wear a cover up, and you can tell who wasn't respectful of that culture. And there was, you know, people in that that were not respectful of that, and they were very obvious. Balinese people expect you, if you're going to be on the beach, you know, wear your swimsuit, bikini, mm-hmm. no problem. But when you're off the beach, put on a cover-up. Then, like, in the Philippines, it was more about clean clothing. Everything had to be very clean. And then if you are going to a Muslim country, that you would expect to, you know, dress more modestly. And then, like, if you are going to France, you could uh, sunbathe on the beach topless. I mean, it just depends on where you're going. And I always look that up. I have a question, Ooh, uh-huh. though. So, a lot of these countries, say, like Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. that, that, that just let women drive right. for the first time in mm-hmm. a really long time. Ever? Is it ever? Ever. Yeah. So, women just earn the right to drive cars mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia, and they are expected to wear certain things. So you believe in wearing those things, but as a feminist, does that irk you? Um, if I was just visiting, no. If I was going to live in that country or was from that country, maybe I would fight to change those things. But visiting, I don't, when I go into somebody else's house, 
Mm-hmm. I don't like, okay, I don't like your decor. I'm going to change and paint your walls because this is not <laughs> the way I like the way you do it. Um, but I've seen some people, I have a few friends that have traveled to the Middle East and they cover their head right. very respectfully. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people give them pushback on that and say, well, you're not Muslim. What are you right. doing? Why are you doing this? I think, and not only Muslims cover their right. head no, in the Middle East. So that's no. an ignorant yeah. statement yeah. by the, by first, that's not number cultural one, appropriation in that number case. Number one, yeah. it's ignorant. Yeah. But mm. number two, I feel like you're you're really cutting people short on that like mm-hmm. that they're being respectful right. it's not it's not that they're aligning themselves with a radical belief system no. of one religion no and and in every i think in every culture what's respectful is a little bit different and so if i'm going into somebody else's culture just for 2 weeks I'm not going to try to change every single thing about it, and I'm not going to walk around in something that would be seen as disrespectful. So I'm going to change the way. Like, cause in each each country that I visited, I modified just a little bit the way I dress. I mean, just so you fit in more and are more respectful of it. So in Bali, when we went to the temples, we wore long skirts or they put sarongs on us. That's just part of what's respectful there. And... You know, in the Philippines, again, I said, you know, there's clean clothes, and it was more, a little bit more modest uh, than in the U.S. And then, if, you know, I haven't been to France yet, but in Fran- France on the beach, you know, you might be a little bit less modest. <laughs> you don't have to be, but you could. And it's not going to be a thing. So that's just, I mean, everywhere you go, you know, if you're if you're just a tourist uh, visitor, you'd be respectful of that host country just as if you would be respectful of a host that you would, a guest in somebody's home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you, you know, for like things like spiritual experiences, if you are invited to take part in a spiritual experience and you feel comfortable in doing that, most of the time that's even a higher level of respect expected. So um, if you're invited, you can go. That's basically the rule of thumb. If somebody invites you, you can always accept but watch other people look and see what's respectful do what other people do that kind of thing and that kind of goes for a lot of experiences is try to you know watch what other people do try not to stick out and be obnoxious and and then I don't know we just we just got back from a wedding where (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) our table was called out three times by the MC for being uh for talking too much yeah because we're loud Americans but we also did hear that our table was the most fun and everyone was sad that they weren't seated at our table but also I feel like but half our table was not American at least half our table was not American and I feel like the real culprits in that situation was an English woman and my husband. <laughs> yes. Yes. So an English woman who was uh, now in New Zealand. Shout out to Anne <laughs> but, for putting us up. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. But they got along great, and so they, they had a lot to talk about. <laughs> but, yeah, we went to actually do a wedding there that was incredibly international. So that was super fun. And so you have all sorts of different traditions there. We had French, New Zealand... Maori, Sweden, uh, Ireland, was Ireland there. English, Hawaiian, and then uh, there was Alaskan. Alaskan. Um, there was a Californian there. Yeah, it was incredible. There were so many people. Oh, um, South African. Uh, <laughs> it was 
crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was a great it was a great bunch of people. We had a lot of fun. But it was interesting to watch, watch all different, the different cultures, cultures get and us sitting mm-hmm. there saying, "What's going on? Why is this happening?" <laughs> <laughs> and we did talk about the the difference in culture of wedding time. Mm-hmm. The US does do short weddings. Short weddings, yes, very short. Um, we learned that Europe and New Zealand do not necessarily do short weddings. So the weddings begin in the afternoon and go until about four or five or six in the morning. Luckily, ours, ours did ended not. Ours at ended up twelve thirty. Yeah, about twelve thirty. But it, um, they said that was very short. It was basically because the hotel, the venue, um, was basically that was how long they rented it out. But yeah, they we were told in France they go into the wee hours of the morning and you just keep on dancing and that's what you do. <laughs> it was kind of an interesting experience for us. And that's the fun about traveling is you learn all these different things. And so I think it's really rude when people go into another country and say, well, and expect it to be exactly like theirs or expect um, or degrade what's happening. Um, like, saying, like, why would you leave? Right. Saying saying stuff like, oh, it's different in my culture. We do this and this. And but this culture, it, yeah. and great, you know, like, because then you're learning about this. Um, and that's great. But saying, oh, my culture's better or it's better where we do it because of such and such, that's just rude. Another thing that I never, I didn't think about too much, but one of the things that they suggested was never give gifts to children. Always give them to their parents or teachers hmm. because in some countries then kids start approaching and I can't even see this happening in places like North Pole honestly um, approaching tourists for gifts and then you don't know who they're approaching true yeah <laughs> so had the, had the tourists been passing out gifts in my town candy. when I was a kid I would have been up on that hey little girl here's some candy yeah you don't want to do that <laughs> Learn please and thank you and a few other words, um, if you can, in that in that um, language. Even if you butcher them. Yeah. Even People if you butcher People think it's hilarious yes. if you butcher them. And you, you can you be tried, the funny person. That, that's one thing I've noticed in every place that I've visited. If you try, they, they give you the benefit of the doubt so much more than if you just are like, no. And then try to learn research beforehand. Learn, like, like I always research what to wear. Um, also research safety, and then I also also research any kind of taboos or respect traditions. So there's like things that are uh, gestures in you know the U.S. culture that are completely fine and that are offensive in other cultures and vice versa. So you want to know about that beforehand so you don't. Randomly. You don't want to Mr. Bean them. <laughs> you don't want to flip off, off a child on accident. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to flip off a child in an accident or a grandmother <laughs> because you don't know what you're doing. So try to learn those basic things. And you're just asking for the check. <laughs> so the one of the heavier ones in, in a lot of um, countries that have less economic privilege than our, we do is children begging. And we saw this in Bali. I saw this in the Philippines when I went. And it was interesting because in the Philippines, our missionary told us not to give any money out to children. And then I saw him doing it <laughs> because it's, it's because like it's hard. Devastating. It is hard. And we had girls coming to our door um, and our, our driver told us not to give them any money because they were basically being trafficked. So any money that they got would be go to their owners. So what you can do in that situation, because it is super hard, is to research what's going on locally as charities that reach out to these kids and give your money there. And then also, like, you can get cards from that, those areas and, and give them to the kids. 
that kind of thing because there it's is super a good hard. there is a good ethical place in Bali that mm-hmm. does take care of street kids that are owned basically mm-hmm. in quotations by adults that are abusing them and using them for money mm-hmm. and so we'll we will definitely link that in the comment section on our Facebook that organization that works with street kids in Bali yeah we actually avoided seeing a lot of that yeah because of where we stayed and then when it was happening I think they came up to our window in a stop light area and Joshua actually said to our driver what's going on mm -hmm. here because it was like completely Mm heart-wrenching and you know they are trained to pull at your heartstrings Mm -hmm. yeah and so yeah it's always good to ask a local if you don't know as well so The final thing is foreign-owned businesses. So a lot of, Mm. yeah, a lot of uh, places and and places like Bali or the Philippines are owned by foreign companies. And you mentioned things like McDonald's or KFC or, you know. But they're employing locals. Right, they're employing locals. But, and then, and there's also, um, like, hostels that are foreign-owned or, like, basically VBROs that are foreign-owned, lodging that's foreign-owned, so... Yes. So, mm, okay. Are you talking about the extreme here? Like, in Bali, Chinese people come and visit, and they only (laughs) drive in Chinese-owned bus companies, they only stay at Chinese-owned hotels, and they only buy from Chinese vendors. Right. To me, I feel... a continuum, for sure. To me, I feel like that does not help the local economy at all Mm -hmm. and unethical I don't know if it reaches the unethical but it definitely doesn't help Mm -hmm. because it's almost like this corporation that comes in but doesn't add anything to the local economy Mm -hmm. Um, but it's taking up local space right where something else that could be giving back to the local economy could be there as far as owning like a house and like doing a VRBO Mm -hmm. I really feel like there is an ethical way to do that and maybe an unethical way Mm -hmm. the ethical way would be to definitely like hire a local staff hire a local um, managing company and let them employ as many people as you can I mean, we've even um, talked to a friend of ours who has suggested, like, he wants to buy in Hawaii, Mm -hmm. but, like, buying in Hawaii and not living there is raising the prices of living in Hawaii, and so a lot of Hawaiians are having issues with this. Right. And their cost of living is undoable, basically. Yes, it's going to the point where they, there's no hope that they can own a house. So he was saying if he could ever buy a house on Hawaii, he would probably rent it cheap to a local Hawaiian mm, family right. so that they could actually like live mm-hmm. and stay in Hawaii and just kind of start by doing that instead of raising the prices high up. He would just keep it for himself every once in a while and then rent to family. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that there are ways to yeah. ethically do VRBOs, but I think there are some people out there that don't ethically do it. I don't right. know. What is your call on that? No, no, for sure. I think there's definitely a continuum, um, and I think it's best if you can find locally owned owned places that would be the best option in some places you can barely find them though because the local economy is so bad so do what you can pay into the local economy as much as you can and uh basically treat treat the country that you're in just as like you would a host of a house that you were visiting with as much respect and and 
curiosity and learn a lot and so I think that's the best way to mm-hmm. travel yeah and I yeah I love traveling it's super fun um, so when when you were a kid did you travel did your parents travel like that so when I was a kid we went down the Alcan several times because <laughs> they like to torture themselves apparently but we did Stick five kids yeah, in, a in a car, car and, and drive yeah, down the Alcan exactly mm-hmm. what could be wrong with that we visited family a lot that way we also visited the south and we uh, got to see a bunch of uh, different traditions because the south is way different than Alaska same country <laughs> way different <laughs> but they always it were does like, feel like a little, little bit of a different, different country, country. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they always were like kind of curious about it and fascinated with all the different things that were different and would talk to us about, oh, you know, did you notice this was different? You know, did you, did you see this? And they're, you know, pretty respectful and, and interested. And then we went to, well, my dad's an immigrant, so we went to the Netherlands when I was about 13 and got to see all that. So it, it and was... Meet, and meet family. Meet family. And and so families. we always went to family places. And then, but he did talk about, like, the differences because, you know, a lot of changed and, you know, the, the time that he had left when he was a teenager so so yeah we were always interested in all the the different different cultures um where we always I mean because we were with family we always shopped really locally and went to the little out of the way places (laughs) we never did the big touristy things at all so that's that's kind of how I learned that (laughs) I think some of the touristy things I think as an adult I think some of the touristy things are definitely worthwhile like I almost enjoy like basking in the fact that I'm a tourist and you can like like Hobbiton? Yes. <laughs> bring up, it's the best. <laughs> to bring up Hobbiton, to tell my weakness, I can tell you that I enjoy that immensely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my sobbing as we approached Hobbiton was a clue to anyone on the bus that I was very excited to be there. Huh. Um, you just wish you had thought to wear ears like elf ears like the girl I actually (laughs) was I almost and I feel like I should have I now feel like that's something I might need to order online because I don't think I can get it locally actually at all but I really am sad that I didn't buy the elf ears that were in the (laughs) because I would wear them and I would sit and watch my Lord of the Rings to give everyone a hint that I'm just a little nerdy. Yeah. But no, I mean, sometimes I bask in that. Mm -hmm. Like, I love it. Whereas, I think growing up as a child, my parents never let that happen. They They always did super, super local stuff. So local. (laughs) They wouldn't even hire a car when we were in Central America. (laughs) It wasn't just us doing non-touristy things. It was us doing, like, almost dangerous things (laughs) you know at nine years old and when your dad is telling you don't look the man with the machine gun in the eyes like why are we walking past a man with a machine gun I mean yes but my parents were bringing me to places in the 80s like Guatemala Mm -hmm. and Honduras and which was amazing and I have these great memories right but it was there were some scary aspects to that Mm -hmm. and also my dad was just like we're not going to do anything that's going to make us look like rich, wealthy mm-hmm. Americans. Mm-hmm. And so even uh, I went back in the late 90s, m- multiple times to Central America as a child, uh, starting in the late 80s and ending in the late 90s. I actually haven't been back to Central America since 99. So I know so much has changed. But I think in 96, our trip in 96, we... I got really excited about this street food that you could buy down the street from my sister was living in Nicaragua at the time. 
and my my other sister and I found this great street food that you could buy, and it was so cheap. It was like two fifty, you know, American dollars, two dollars fifty cents. Fed four of us. We could sit around and eat it. We wanted to get it every night, and my dad uh, actually put a stop to it. Uh, I think the third or fourth night in, he was just like, "No, you cannot get this again, because this is a." This is a special thing for people who live around here. They mm-hmm. buy it as something special to them, and you're buying it every day <laughs> and mowing down on it and eating this cheese and plantains. By the way, cheese and plantains. Oh, oh my, gosh. my gosh. It was like fried cheese, plantains in a plastic bag, of course, because everything comes in plastic. A plastic bag with banana leaves laid down, and then, oh my goodness, it was so good. And we just go, and the lady would take it out of the deep fryer. I mean, she loved us. Mm-hmm. That one woman loved us. Right. But according to my father, we were <laughs> flaunting our riches, which I think, you know, if we went four days in a row, it ended up being like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. But dad was just like, no, you can't do that anymore. So we had to secretly do it one day. <laughs> during a during a religious parade, we found our street cart lady and, you know... <laughs> The rest is history. We were, the, long story short, we were groped in a, oh, no. in a religious parade while waiting for our, for our food. And we couldn't tell him our father that we were groped because he, <laughs> oh, no. he would know that we were getting our fast food. So yeah, no, some, someone reached up my skirt and I looked around and didn't see anyone and caught my sister's eyes and she had a frantic look in her eyes and said, did that just happen to you too? Oh no. So there safety was Safety is important. Safety, safety is very important. Don't just go just trying to find your fried cheese lady and not be paying attention to your surroundings. Don't think because it's a religious parade that there isn't a groper maybe in it. No. Um, so, wow, I got off topic. Anyways, my dad made us stop getting fried cheese and plantains because we were flaunting our riches. We were down, so down with the people. Yeah. We rode school buses that didn't you know definitely the occupancy was way above mm-hmm. what it should have been people were riding on top uh-huh. that's how we it was did, in the philippines we did we just knees that which you, you pack in so many people that other people are hanging out in the back and the, oh yeah <laughs> and these school buses didn't stop at the bus stops no, they just you know it was going. public transportation we did public transportation mm-hmm. and never had the luxury of hiring a driver which the things i do now are I would not even think about doing public transportation with my four children. And, by the way, my parents also had a foreign exchange student. So they had their four children and a foreign exchange student. And they were responsible for another person's child. They had someone else's child child that they were taking to Central America and making them ride public transportation. And it was all for respect and all to experience the culture. So, as an adult, I feel like I take that. Mm -hmm. I use that. (laughs) And, and modify and it. I modify it because I love I love being a tourist sometimes. Mm-hmm. I love going to super touristy areas because I feel like one extreme is one extreme mm-hmm. or the other is just too yeah. much. Yeah. Too much for me. I'm right in the middle. Yeah. So anyway, um have we judged the height out of that? I guess. <laughs> I feel like it's a short one. It's but not. it's not. <laughs> it's not a short one because we still have our ethical product to, to talk about. Ooh. Yeah. So, as Nice mentioned earlier, we will link up to the Bali Street Kids Project, which helps serve disadvantaged children in Bali. 
So what they do is they provide a safe place to live, food, education, um, and then they do a little bit of handicrafts that they sell online, uh, which are mostly dolls that the kids make. So they learn how to do a skill. And they're super cute. Really cute little dolls. (laughs) And so that's one of their fundraising, but you can also donate to them. So they also recently took in a bunch of volcano refugees because a volcano blew in Bali and they're displaced a thousands of people and so they just took in a bunch of refugees from that uh, about 55 other children so they have a temporary home and schooling so if you can join in and consider buying a doll handmade by one of the children there or just consider giving a donation to them that would be awesome. You're gesturing at me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> say something. <laughs> you want me to say something? Oh, okay. The doll. I said the dolls were amazingly cute. They are cute. Love them. <laughs> you guys can see the inner workings. It's mostly Jessica gesturing at me to, to say something. <laughs> so thank you for joining us here at Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions. But no answers. And we're judging you anyways. Technical support and photography by Tip Kingsley. Consultation by Mid Toker. Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstra. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at ethicalquandaries at outlook.com. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. Come be a patron and support our work. Thank you.